Welcome, everyone. I am Bob Wurzelbacher, the director of the Respect Life Office for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, and this is our video podcast series that we call Being Pro-Life. This is part of a series we're producing on the new ballot initiative in the state of Ohio coming in November of 2023 to amend the Ohio Constitution to something called the right to reproductive freedom. In this series, we're going to discuss what the amendment says, why it is so dangerous for Ohio, and how you can get involved to educate the public. All right, so today is the morning after the big special election in Ohio on issue one to raise the bar on the difficulty on passing the amendment to Ohio's constitution with a citizen ballot initiative. Today's guest is Aaron Baer, president of the Center for Christian Virtue, also known as the CCV, organization that advocates public policy to reflect the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Aaron, welcome to the show. Hey, Bob, thanks for having me. So, Aaron, a big day yesterday. Tell us about the election and what this means for what's going to happen then in November. Yeah, you know, just a, a real disappointment yesterday that uh, issue one didn't pass. Certainly uh, a disappointment, but but not discouraged over here. You know, I think uh, ultimately uh, we lost about 57 to 43. Massive turnout um, blew every projection out of the water. Over three million people voted uh, yesterday and in the in early voting, um, which you know again it, it, over a million votes more than than some projections had it at right. I mean, it, it really was an incredible uh, turnout. So you know, big picture, what this means is the the status quo stays the same. It is certainly it puts our our constitution at risk. Uh, this this is the reason we were going after this is that deep-pocketed special interests uh, know they can just spend enough money and you know get something into our constitution. And that's really what's on the line in November. But I think ultimately what what's the real discouragement here for us is long-term for Ohio, uh, I should or disappointment, I should say for us, not discouragement, right? Um, but long-term for Ohio, we're going to see a lot more things get put on our ballot to try to change our constitution that are going to be really, really harmful, well beyond abortion, well beyond what's going to be up there this November. So that's that's kind of the long and short of what last night means for Ohio. All right. So, Aaron, for, for those that maybe there are some listening that aren't really clear on what issue one was going to yeah. do. That was so, well. I'll say. I, I think the results last night showed a lot of people weren't clear on what issue one. <laughs> you is. think you're right about that. But uh, so, right, so it changes the threshold from 50%, well, simple majority, 50% plus one to 60%, but that's only related to constitutional amendments, right? It doesn't change the threshold for statutes, et cetera. I and mean, what else would it do? So it did three things. So it elevated the threshold to 60%. Second, when you're going and collecting signatures to put something on the ballot, the law right now is you have to get a signature, you have to get 5% of the signatures from the previous gubernatorial election, from the total number of votes from the previous gubernatorial election from 44 counties, right? This would have said you need to get that from all 88 counties. So it would have required more representation right. than we have right now. And then it would have eliminated what something that was called the cure period, which was if you're collecting signatures to put something on the ballot to amend the constitution, you typically get to submit your signatures and you can take as really as long as you need to or to get a long time to collect those signatures. You submit them and say you come up short still, you don't have enough valid signatures. There's a time that you can go back and kind of have a redo and collect more. This would have said, no, there, there's not going to be redos. Submit your signatures right up front and try to make it that way. So those were the three things that would have done. The biggest thing, though, was the 60 percent threshold. Right. 
Maybe we should spend just a little bit of time. I think I know that, I mean, I know these things, that uh, this is 32 states, right? There are 32 states that don't even allow the amendment to their constitutions to be changed through initiatives like this. So we would be among 18 states that do allow that. And then uh, how do we compare with other states in terms of how many of them are 50 and how many of them are already 60? Do you know? Yeah, you know, really, there are only 10 states in the nation that do it the way Ohio does, where okay. a citizen-initiated petition only requires a one-time 50% plus one vote to amend your state constitution. And it's the reason why our constitution is so bloated with special interests, political agendas. Now, again, Bob, this is a little bit of a, a civics lesson here, but this is it's important, right? These types of, you look at why America has been the most prosperous nation, has has done the most to to protect liberties and, and build up the poor and, and provide opportunities for more people than any other nation in, in the world and in world history. It's because we have a system of government that protects individual liberty and, and allows for, uh, you know, the old Martin Luther King quote for, for the arc of history to bend towards justice, allows for us to improve, right? We don't get everything's right, but we have systems in place to improve as we go. And this vote was really about those systems in place. And when, you know, there's a a significant difference between what's in law and what's in the constitution, right? Between what's in Ohio revised code and what's in the constitution. The constitution is where we put core principles that say, this is the, these are the ideals that we will never violate, right? And then you have state law, which says this is the the practical policy by which we live those principles out, right? So so you have something like, uh, let's think about this in the the U.S. context. You have something like the First Amendment that says the government shall not, Congress shall not establish religion, right? There shall not be a, a national religion. Well, then you take it down to code and you say, okay, so how do we actually play this out? Well, if we get into a place where you have a... That you have a, a sincerely held religious belief and it's coming in conflict with the law. How do we balance those two things out? Well, you you write policies, things like religious freedom restoration acts or or individual religious land use laws that work out those details in code, which is a lot easier to change, right? Because those right. dynamics on the ground can shift. And that's where most of the time those policy arguments go. Well, because our constitution is so easily amended. You've had people with a lot of money that are able to just take their specific idea and they know they can't get it through the normal law process and they try to jam it into the constitution because once they get it there, it's going to stay. You can't put a statute up to conflict it. Right. The, The best example of this is our Ohio constitution has great protections for religious freedom and free speech. And it also has the very specific land parcels that four casinos have to be located on, right? It makes no sense that we would have the specific locations of casinos in our constitution. I didn't know the locations are in the constitution. That is very bizarre. (laughs) Exactly. And the thing is we defeated that four times at the ballot but the, the the casinos and the gaming industry just kept, they realized if we just keep spending money, eventually we're going to get over 50%. And the payday is going to be worth, so worthwhile that, that we'll just keep going. And that's what happened. So do you see issue one, it, it failed last night. Do you see that coming back before voters again as early as 2024 or, or I don't know, later at some point in time trying yeah, to I, change this again? I certainly don't think the issue is dead. I think this is, again, this is something that's important to us. It's important to a lot of different people who say this this is something that needs to be done. Are we looking at do, running this again sometime soon? No, but I think it's an issue that we're going to continue to discuss because 
you know, again, I kept telling people if you're if you're sick of the political signs and the the ads and all that, you wanted to vote yes on issue one, because if we don't do this, you're going to see a lot more things showing up on our ballots here over the next few years, and I'm concerned that's going to be the case. Right. So it's not dead, but do you see it coming back sooner rather than later? Try again in 24, but they'll probably wait a little bit, it's, come up with a better again, plan. It's, it's really hard to tell, Bob, honestly. But like, you know, we got to look at how, what, what, where the actual votes were, how it turned out, right. what were the co- compelling arguments. But I think that the baseline on it is it's, it's an issue that is still a problem that needs to be addressed. And it's something we're going to keep an eye on. Right. So we've talked a lot on this podcast about the November ballot issue on, on abortion. When I summarize it quickly for people, for, for me, the three big points uh, that I'll just reiterate, I guess, for the listeners here, that this ballot issue coming up in November, if it passes, it would take away parental rights related to abortion and even other cross-gender you know, types of treatments, even parental notification laws, number one. Number two, it would eliminate typical health standards for women like requiring a physician to do the abortion, like requiring ambulatory services for emergencies, like requiring a 24-hour waiting period to make sure you decide this is what you want to do, like requiring in-person dispense of chemical abortion. All these things that are designed even for the safety of the mother would easily be eliminated. And the third big thing is that because you cannot restrict abortion for reasons of the health of the mother, which can be defined as psychological health and familial health and all kinds of different adjectives you can put in front of the word health, that basically means abortion for any reason for all nine months. So there's the three big reasons why almost anyone would not want this to be in Ohio, much less in the Constitution in Ohio. So we really want to defeat this in November. If we do win in November, is it likely to come back again, especially because issue one did not pass? Is it going to come back again in 2024, even that soon? Yeah, Bob, again, I think that going back to the the story I told earlier about the gaming industry. Yeah, they kept coming back. That's really relevant here because I think, Bob, one of the things that, that you see that we often underestimate about uh, about the abortion industry is that is that it is a commercial industry, right? It is a it is a profit uh, a profitable industry, right? And so uh, these are people that have big big dollars on the line if abortion is prohibited, right? And if these these you know transgender surgeries on minors are prohibited. Again, there there was an undercover video that Matt, Matt Walsh published from the Daily Wire published a few months ago that showed a doctor at Vanderbilt University talking about how much money they make on transition surgeries, right? And it's a little bit like the old tobacco industry line where if I can get you smoking as a kid, right. I've got a customer for life until it kills you. And and the the transition industry is is very much the same way. And so you have multi-million dollar industries that have a lot on the line behind this ballot issue. And and they're not going to just walk away if they have the loss, right? Because they know, again, it's that ROI again, right? That the return on investment, they, let's spend, you know, $50 million in this ballot issue fight, $100 million in this ballot issue fight. Well, they're going to make more than that back in no time on these medical procedures and on these on these abortions. And so again, this is this is why issue one mattered. You know, I, I will say though, if we are able to to defeat them this November, if the body of Christ rises up, if we we do what we need to, it really will send shockwaves, right? 
And, and it will send a really clear signal that maybe we're not the state they should be coming to in 24. And that will give us, again, every day that this abortion amendment is not on the books, more children can live Obviously, and more children yes. will not be sterilized. I, I think that's a big thing right now that we're talking about, which is we have to steward the blessing of the state well in the time that God's put it in our hands. Okay. What should we be doing for the next two months, right? <laughs> August, oh, yeah. September, October, well, three months to make sure that we do what we need to do as the body of Christ to defeat this issue in November. What are some of your thoughts there? Absolutely. The first thing we always do is we pray. That right. That is our greatest resource. That is something that can never be taken away from us. And, and we are always going to go back to that fount again and again and again. The second thing we need to do is we need to get plugged in with the different organizations and the different folks that are leading the charge here. You know, I know you've had Peter Range on this. Peter and I serve on the board of Protect Women Ohio. That's the official campaign that formed for November. If you're not already plugged in there, that's where you need to be right now because that's where your volunteer opportunities are going to come. And then all of the different coalition groups like Center for Christian Virtue, like Rights Life Action Coalition of Ohio, Ohio Right to Life, all of the different coalition members are, are plugged in. So you can start volunteering there. We need folks to give. We certainly weren't able to match them dollar for dollar on issue one. We're not going to be able to match them this November. So financially giving, helping us do fundraisers, things like that is big. Um, the other thing though, Bob, that I think is cannot go underestimated here is we need to start telling people, just having the conversation, defining the issue of what's on the line in November. Because the other thing that's on the line in November is not just this abortion amendment, but there's also going to be an initiated statute to change Ohio law to legalize recreational marijuana. And so I, I think folks really need to start wrapping their minds around the idea that on November 7th, you're going to have two issues that overnight could change Ohio into California, could change Cincinnati into San Francisco, right? Could change Columbus into Denver. These areas that have uh, that are just overridden with legalized recreational marijuana that devastates, especially urban communities, uh, as we see drug overdoses at an all-time high in Ohio. You know, we see that over 90% of opioid users start on marijuana. Like we're, we're creating a pipeline there. So you combine that with this abortion on demand up until birth without parental consent and, and wrapping in this transgender surgeries with, with the marijuana issue. And you can see this massive agenda that's coming at Ohio. And this is the conversations we need to start having with people is that this is coming our way and we have to stop it. Is this marijuana issue also a constitutional amendment or is this a statute? No, this is a statute. So they're, okay. they're doing an initiated statute there, which again, that would change Ohio law. Um, right. And the abortion one would change our constitution. Right, exactly. So thanks, Aaron, for coming on talking about that. That I want to reiterate what you just said, just for my, most of our listeners, right, are Catholic. And so just a reminder that starting September 15th, but that, that's that 54 days from there leading up to the election, we have a 54-day rosary novena that's going to be coming out. And everybody that goes to everybody goes to church is going to hear about it. it's going to be a big website dedicated to a different saint every single day for those 54 days as far as the prayer is concerned and then uh, you mentioned of course protect women ohio the catholic conference of bishops is part of that coalition so we also fully support you go on in that website protectwomenohio.org and click on that volunteer button and as he said that is also the the place where if you have the means to donate Please go on that site and donate because we absolutely need to buy ads to counteract the messaging that it's going to be. What is how are they going to sell this November issue? They're going to sell it as I see them selling it as this is necessary to protect 
care for miscarriage. They're going to say this is necessary to protect care for ectopic pregnancy. They're going to say this is necessary for the health of women. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly the opposite of all of yeah. those things. It's going to hurt women, not to mention the tens of thousands of, of babies who will be aborted, but, but we're going to hurt women. It's going to make them much more vulnerable. It's going to hurt families and it's going to hurt young minor girls. It's going to make trafficking easier to do. It's going to do all kinds of horrible things. We have to figure out how to defeat this. And third, you taught, you said something about talking to your neighbor. Yes. I was getting my hair cut the other day. I always say this when I talk. And the woman was with this big, sharp scissors in her hand, right? She says, what are you doing today? And I said, well, do I go there? It's like, yes, of course I go there, right? We're called by Jesus Christ. I'm going to go there. Okay, well, I'm talking on my podcast about the dangers of the November abortion. says, oh, really? Well, I'm pro-choice, she says, right? Tell me about it. And I told her those three things I just mentioned, right? Parental consent, abortion for any reason, and, and health and safety standards for women, you know, going out the window with these things. And it didn't convince her to be pro-life from conception, but that wasn't my goal in that five-minute conversation. My goal was to get her to realize, even if she feels pro-choice, as we say, or as they say, she still would want to vote no in November. So we have to be able to talk to our pro-choice friends, not just have conversations with people who already agree with us. That isn't going to move the needle in any way, right? I could talk with my friend who agrees with me all day, but that doesn't help the cause. (laughs) You have to go out beyond your comfort zone, right? And reach out, get yourself and talk to people and be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, right? They are. And uh, and convince them that this is a bad. Most people, by far, if they knew what this was, would consider that as a bad thing. That's right. Uh, well, and, and I'll just say it's something I'll, I'll push a lot of times, especially when I'm speaking to evangelical crowds. Which is the left is often more evangelical than evangelicals, right? <laughs> if, if all we're doing is talking to the, the people that we know or agree with us, and we're, we're creating our own little conservative pro-life safe space, where we have no chance of winning. And so it's going to take being willing to have those awkward conversations that probably, you know, a good amount of times aren't going to go so well, right? Sometimes it is going to be that worst case scenario of getting into a tense argument, but we don't, we won't be able to save these children that uh, that, that are on the line right now uh, if we don't take, take bold steps. And so I'm grateful for you for, for driving the word out. (laughs) Thanks, Aaron. All right. Any other, any words of advice for our listeners here before we go away? Again, I just keep coming back to, Bob, we are the generation God's called to Ohio for this time. It is a responsibility for us to bear that. And we need to steward that call wisely and not be the generation that 30, 40 years from now, people look back and say, oh, how did they let that happen? Let's be faithful. Let's, Let's trust in him and work diligently to protect our communities, protect the, the most vulnerable around us, the people that God has such a, a, a heart for at this time. I'm just going to echo that just a little bit, right? Let's think, where has God put you today, right? What role has God put you in? What people are in your life where you can reach out to? Take advantage of that. Be grateful to God for putting you where you are, whether you are surrounded by people who are against you or you're mostly surrounded by people who are with you, there are people in your life who you can talk to. There are people in your life who you can try to convince, and it's your role to evangelize and be Christ in the world 
uh, and help them understand the dangers of this ballot issue. Well, thanks for talking with us today, Aaron, about issue one, how it relates to the bigger battle on the November election, seeking to enshrine a right to abortion and other things for any reason at any stage of pregnancy without parental consent. I hope I can bring you back on again in November to talk about a big victory for Ohioans on November 8th. Yeah, looking forward to it. (laughs) Well, thanks, Aaron, for being on the show. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Hey, thanks for all you do. I want to thank all of our viewers and listeners for tuning in on this episode of our Being Pro-Life series. Head to the website to view all the links talked about in this episode at www.catholicaoc.org slash beingprolife. Thanks again for joining us today. I look forward to being with you next time.